It's Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I am your host, Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, founder, podcaster, when I want to, uh, here uh, for another episode. We're back for just this one episode uh, to discuss two very important things. Uh, uh, f- the first segment here, I'll be talking South by Southwest 2021 and the handful of movies I watched, along with my guest, who I'll introduce in a second. He, he, he has at least seen one South by Southwest movie. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, and then on the next segment, if you do not want to hear anything about South by Southwest, if you don't want to hear me rambling on with my guest in this first segment, skip ahead like maybe 20 or 30 minutes, depending on this, on how this conversation goes. Skip ahead and listen to me and Harrison Brockwell discuss Justice League. And maybe at the tail end of this discussion, though, with my guest, and we'll get into it. I'll introduce him here in a second. I think he and I will get into Justice League as well. So there'll be plenty of Justice League content on this episode. But first, you have to hear, if you can't reach that fast-forward button, if you're on your treadmill, if you're running outside and you don't want to stop in the middle of your workout to skip ahead you're going to have to hear me and marcus irving discuss south by southwest 2021 hello marcus hi hi marcella i'm marcus hi marcus um uh great to talk to you it's been a while um i think uh last time we talked was uh, we talked uh, about wrestling and we ended our wrestling show right um at least that's the last episode people heard of us together uh, yeah, how, yeah that, that is the last time we've spoken. How have you been since then? Uh, how has ending the wrestling show, Marking the Marks, how has that affected you? It's left a giant gaping hole in my life that I feel like I need to fill with something else. And hopefully we'll find something soon enough to fill that hole with, but we have not quite found it yet. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, <laughs> I, but, 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 yeah, I'm here now. I'm here now. I'm recording a podcast now, and that feels so good. I feel like I'm me again. Okay, good. Let's not talk about that hole again. But I'm I'm glad you're here <laughs> um, because you're you're here to help me out. And uh, because I like like I was telling you off mic, and what I'll reveal here is um, I just needed some help to talk about you know these movies I saw South by Southwest 2021. Um, and I think I thought, hey, maybe Marcus Irving would be the right person to to help me in this segment. And um, so uh, let's just talk about it, okay? South by Southwest, twenty twenty one. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus, uh, and I'm leaving this in if I am wrong. But uh, in the past, have you reviewed movies for South by Southwest for Talk from Society before? Uh, have you? Um, yes, right. I am. I'm pretty sure. Yes, I have. And uh, yes, yeah. For so, the website, I've written reviews from movies from South by Southwest. Yeah. So it's not a foreign concept, right? South by Southwest. No, I, I understand. It's not, it's not the your first time hearing about South by Southwest. Film festivals in general, <laughs> and this film festival specifically. I understand. Um, have you been to a film festival? Period. No. Would you like? I, would I, you I, like I, to go? I would. I would. I would like to. Um, I would say through my experiences on the website, I've gotten to cover some films that I think uh, were 
by and large pretty bad but <laughs> i feel like that can't be the normal experience people always talk about them pretty glowing glowingly yeah and um, yeah i think and, and and part of that communal thing like so like this year that didn't happen you couldn't go to a place and all oh, no, stuff with no. people yeah i but, i'm i'm assuming that when i asked that question um I'm hoping that you understood that, you know, once it's safe, once people can go to film festivals yes. that, you know, um, yes. I mean, we could talk about that here in a second, the virtual aspect of South by Southwest or film festivals in general, which I've talked about on the show, actually, uh, fans of film festivals <laughs> might want to go back and listen to the last episode of the talk from site podcast and hear me and Aaron Hendricks talk Sundance 2021 and his experience uh, doing that virtually. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you'd like it. I mean, anybody who likes watching movies, period, I think would like mm-hmm. to go to a film festival because you like I, the communal experience, right, Marcus? I would love the communal experience. I love the theater experience. <laughs> uh, you know, cinema. I just realized you weren't on my um, best of twenty twenty series, and I never did ask you um, a question about. Uh, I, I I had a. Um, as people who listen to the show and who listen to me, uh, who, who have listened to those episodes in the last few weeks, I had on guests and they came on discussing their favorite films of 2020. And I always ask them this question of like, oh, how were, how did you uh, fare with uh, movie watching in 2020, right? I never did ask you that question because you never came on the show. You refused to come on the show. You, I asked you, you go, and you go, no, I, I don't want to talk to you again. You canceled Marking the Marks. I don't want to talk to you, Marcel. Um, yeah. No, I kid. I think <laughs> – listen, I'm going to – I'm gonna. This is, this is an open, frank conversation, yeah, yeah, You're Marcus. a trickster. You're a I'm trickster. a trickster. I'm a trickster. Yeah. yeah. Um, but honestly, we didn't – it didn't work out. I ended the the series right when you <laughs> ended up <laughs> right when you landed on a movie you wanted to talk about. I was like, I'm not doing that show anymore, Rex. Yeah. <laughs> the timing didn't work out. But yeah. uh, I'm going to ask you that question though, okay? Because I'm I'm curious because you're on the show right now, and, and uh, I've asked this of all my guests uh, this last year. Mm-hmm. But how have you dealt with movie watching uh, at home during the pandemic, Marcus? Um, I basically stopped doing it. Like period. I, in general, I, that's it. No, uh, no more like movies. Not, not, not period. Not, not no more movies, but it, it's slowed to a crawl. I, I, I'm looking through my letterbox, like everything I watched last year. And the, the, the list of stuff from 2020 is quite small. And, and there's some stuff I liked and a lot of stuff I didn't like, but it doesn't matter. But, um, I don't know, but part of me, like, turned to video games more, I suppose, to, like, fill my extra time or, uh, make me, uh, happy. Like, I, you, you are a guy that... I'm a that, guy, like, yes. when, you're a guy that when you want to feel happy, you're like, I'm, I'm gonna watch the film, and I say I'm gonna play a video game. And I think that that's where we differ as people. But I still watched a lot, like quite a few movies I watched last year that I enjoyed. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not insane. I didn't shut myself <laughs> off completely. Uh, it, it's funny that you say when I want to feel good, I watch a movie. Um, not to make when you this... want to feel something when you want to feel an artistic experience wash over you. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's 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 a, that's a better wording. 
Um, there you go. Because I don't necessarily want to sit down and watch something like, you know, Violation uh, and feel happy. I feel like I had a fun experience. No. Uh, you want to sit down and, and watch Violation and feel violated. Yes, exactly. And I did. And I'll talk about that here in a second. Um, good. Uh, good. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I get it. I, 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 hey, I'm not... As a, I'm not uh, as avid a gamer as you are, but hey, I, I fit in, you know, an hour or two of like Ghost of Tsushima, uh, you know, every other day when I'm when I'm off. And um, That's but fine. no, I I, um, I tend to yes, you know, uh, when I want to escape, I do put on the occasional movie because okay, this gets us into South by Southwest. See, I'm I'm a I'm a great host. I'm just I'm just transitioning from topic to topic seamlessly. Um, watching movies at home and uh, experiencing film festivals for me has been uh, a drag because I cannot maintain focus well enough to, I think, experience and, and enjoy movies at home as well as in theaters. Because uh, when I go to a theater, uh, I mean, I put my phone away. I'm focused on the, on, on the movie, on the biggest screen, you know, the sound. But yeah... Is that is that one reason why you kind of like backed away or or not haven't done it as much in the last year, Marcus? Is is your attention as bad as mine, where you just cannot focus on something at home? Uh, when I say something, I mean watching that, movies. That that is part of it, and another part of it is this, I I have maintained to be pretty uh, busy and like I don't I don't like to watch movies in parts. Like I, I want to sit down and watch it for two hours if it's a two hour thing or a four hour movie that we might talk about later. <laughs> but like I want to sit down and watch the whole thing at once. A video game you can play for 20 minutes and if, it, and if I end up having to get off, I have to get off and it's fine. But like uh, a movie I feel worse about doing that and <clears throat> finding those dedicated blocks of time has been very difficult for me in the last years. I have been very, very busy with a lot of different uh, jobs and work and life and stuff has been happening. Uh, watch. I, I would. Yeah. I was going to joke. I was going to make a joke here. Uh, shut up for a second. I'm going to make a joke. Uh, you're too busy watching uh, Dunny Darko four times to you know do anything else, right? Right. 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 Exactly. Yes. Um, okay. So for South by Southwest, here's my experience on this. I tried to watch as many movies for South by Southwest 2021. And by the way, it's virtual for those who don't know this year. Normally, South by Southwest, it's an in-person film festival scattered across the city of Austin, which I live in. Um, you know, some theaters are downtown. Some are, you know, uh, on uh, South Lamar Streets at the Draft House. You know, there's like at one given point, like maybe 10 theaters. Maybe that's uh, underselling it. It's happening all over, all over the city, the film festival aspect of South by Southwest. And that's not even taking, mm. that's not taking into account the music or uh, any other conference, you know, festival that goes along with it, uh, which also takes, you know, they all take place at different venues. It's a massive, you know, city experience if it's, you know, in person. But this year, of course, it's virtual, all on your computer. That's what virtual means. And my trouble this year was that I could not take time off from work to experience South by Southwest in full at home. Um, So I tried to watch as many uh, screeners of these films as possible before the fest. Um, So I ended up seeing just a handful of movies that I wanted to talk about. Um, But I'll say that when I did have time, 
after work to see a movie at home uh, from South by Southwest virtually. Um, I tried as hard as I could to, you know, experience it as well as I could. Um, like, for example, the Sparks Brothers, which was an anticipated movie for me uh, to watch this year, the new Edgar Wright documentary. I managed to broadcast uh, South by Southwest, um, you know, from the laptop to my TV. I turned off all the lights. I tried to, you know, not look at my cell phone at all, although I failed maybe two or three times because um, I'm terrible. Um, but yeah, that was a great experience. So, you know, this might not have been like the perfect at-home film festival experience for me because I was also working through all this and I couldn't just, you know, have a day dedicated to watching nothing but movies um, at South by Southwest. I found that I could make it work better than before because, like, the last few fe- the last few film festivals I experienced virtually weren't the best. I, I, my mind wasn't it. My, my mind wasn't, you know, focused enough. But I don't know. I, I, I managed to see a few at home without interruption and I, uh, I'm glad that from what I from what I've read people have also been able to you know uh, experience South by Southwest at home uh, you know uh, as as well as one could at home so that's good um, but uh, but hey speaking of what we saw what did you see Marcus I I got I roped you into this I, I, I gave you a bunch of movies to watch uh, how many did you, did you end up watching Marcus Okay, so <clears throat> but as of the time of recording this, I've had a few days to watch as many movies as I possibly could. And I just told you my time is very limited. And it turns out as many movies as I possibly could was exactly one movie. <laughs> but <laughs> so, okay, so I I try you uh, saw to be one fair, movie. I tried to watch more. Uh, you saw one movie, and I'm assuming that movie just took like 90 minutes. So, uh, and, and and that was it, right? You, uh, it was it, no because like, normally film festivals for those who don't for, for those who don't know they're mostly indie films at film festivals. Mostly have right. a runtime of like 89 minutes in and out. Boom, you 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 get it. You know, indie movie, right? So mm-hmm. it, the movie you saw, I'm sure, was a breeze, right? Uh, no, 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 Marcelo, I. Instead, chose to watch a three-hour documentary about the history of folk horror movies. Oh, what is the name of this movie? (laughs) The name is Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. Uh, Easy to remember and say. Um, yes, yes. What did you think of Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, a history of folklore horror? <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I wouldn't talk about it. it, it We're talking about it now. <laughs> what, it, what the documentary is, is like three hours of interviews with experts in the field of folk horror. Uh, and they kind of try to tell like the whole history of folk horror in cinema, essentially like to its roots uh in to its roots in like uh I don't know like HB Lovecraft stories and uh, whatever to to the witch or whatever is the m- most recent example and i would say they definitely do do that but it's also a 3 hour movie that feels extremely long it, it's <laughs> so the way they tell this is like they have they have probably like a minute a minute or two of snippets of interviews 
and then they'll show 20 seconds to to a minute of uh, a clip from one of these movies that they're discussing or about to discuss and I'll say it's it's informative uh, you do learn quite a bit of about like what full core is like how it's kind of a I don't know it's kind of a lo- much larger genre than you might even think it is but uh, it, it is it is also very monotonously told <laughs> in this documentary <laughs> format because they they really don't they don't want to skip over anything they talk about so many individual movies and directors and trying to fit a lot in and I don't know like, like I said it's that format over and over and over for three and a half hours well, let me and, ask you this uh, how much of folk horror did you know about before and are you an expert now? It's, am I an expert now? Probably not. No, but did I, uh, what I knew before, boy, it's not much. I, I, I kind of knew like the genre trappings about how it's kind of, you know, like the uh, horror set in a older, older environment and, uh, uh, de- dealing with like religion or, uh, the, like the old ways. I don't know, but I am so stupid. But the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the, what did I, 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 it basically told me that the genre is much bigger, uh, than you might think it is. And kind of in a way encompasses almost all of horror. If you think about it and like they made, they made a case that Candyman is full horror, even though it doesn't really have, um, any of the things that you might think of. Yeah, because when like, I... It's not something you think of immediately as a full horror movie, but it ends up having a lot of the same uh, trappings of the genre. Like, like, uh, and it's about, like, a, like the, that movie is literally about, like, a, a story that's told through time that is, ends up becoming true. Like, it's a prophecy or something. I, um, I get that because like when I think of folk horror and I don't know much about it period so I, I do want to watch this yes. the stock yeah but I just know like Wicker Man right I'm sure Wicker Man the witch the witch you uh, know stuff that takes place out in the woods with you know like you're saying these this old community and uh, a newcomer yes. in this community but yeah I guess that makes yes. sense that you could categorize or they did categorize Candyman as folk horror and um, yeah I'm, I'm guessing why I'm guessing that's why. The, doc- the documentary is so long because, um, yeah, y- you could apply this to a lot of movies, right? And it, yeah, and it's it's split into sections. Like the first section is kind of explaining what folk horror is. The second section is the second through whatever, however many sections were in the movie, five or six. They uh, the, those were like the second section was focused on. Um, uh, folk horror in English cinema, and the third section was in American cinema, and the fourth, the fourth section was kind of uh, rifling through different countries like Australia and Mexico and Germany and Japan, and how folk horror uh, realizes itself in basically every culture um, in the in their cinema. Interesting. Uh, and let me ask you this, and this might be the last question. Because uh, uh, we have a few more to talk about, and I want to move on. Um, sure. After watching the doc and, and knowing what you know now, are you? And be honest about this, because you're on trial. Are you 
now more interested in the genre of folklore and do you want to seek out more of the films they uh, they listed there? Huh. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm not. Okay. I feel like I know more about it. I feel like I can uh, identify it more clearly. I know more about the history. I know more about what a folk horror movie is. Do I specifically want to search out maybe a couple, but but most of the movies that they they mentioned? No, I really don't. I'm sorry. Fair, fair. That actually brings me to uh, a movie I loved at the fest that I want to talk about. Kind of similar in that way. Um, The Sparks Brothers by Edgar Wright. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This is a film you tried to watch and you were unsuccessful. And I do apologize because I... Yeah, we we had technical difficulties. I I, I blame myself for this. For, for, you know, uh, uh, getting you excited about watching the Sparks Brothers movie and uh, it not happening. Um, But anyway, I did watch it. Uh, and I can say I, I pretty much loved it. Similar to the folk horror documentary, I had little to no knowledge of Sparks. Um, I will say the Sparks Brothers documentary is monotonous is, is a good word, you know, to describe it as well. But monotonous in the way that, okay, well, let me ask you this, Marcus. Do you know anything about the Sparks? Uh, about Sparks, period. That's the name of the, of the, of the duo, of the band. Do you know anything about Sparks? Literally nothing. The first time I ever heard about them was listening to Edgar Wright on a podcast saying he was working on a documentary about a year ago. Okay, yeah. So try to keep that mindset. Try not to look it up. You can read my review on talkfilmsociety.com if you want, Marcus, or anybody of listening. Course. Of course. Read my review, right? I don't, I don't get into a lot of the details, obviously, because it's just a 700-word uh, review, okay? Uh, you know. But kind of go into this documentary blind, right? Because I... I I went in knowing very little about Sparks, little to nothing, and I came out of it a fan of Sparks because they've been around for decades. They've made twenty five studio albums. Um, they are influential still to this day. You know, they're still putting out new work, and they're st- you know they're still reinventing themselves. And yeah, I, I, I'm sold because uh, oh, going back to the monotonous thing, yeah. So what Edgar Wright does, you know, in the first section of the movie, he gets into the Sparks brothers. I keep calling the Sparks brothers, but they're they're, they're two brothers um, who start this band, and they, um, you know, they have a hit or two. They get popular, then they go away for a bit. Then they come back, reinvent themselves. Then you know they have a hit record, and then they go away for a bit. Um, and what Edgar Wright does after, like maybe. You know, twenty minutes of like going through their backstory about where where they grew up. He goes album by album, basically going through Sparks' work. So it is chronological. Like you know, we'll, mm. we'll go through like uh, the first album, second album, third album, basically you know all the way to present. Um, so it's monotonous in that way, but I, it works. It, it sold me. Uh, I after the the documentary ended, I went to their like Apple Music page. I was I've been listening to their music. Um, because the songs they played, it's very much like here. Here's the evidence to show you that Sparks is a band you should be listening to, and it worked. Um, the stories uh, they tell on the documentary uh, of like former band members, 
and also people like Flea or you know Mike Myers or uh, uh, Jason Schwartzman. Bjork pops in there. Beck. They're all saying you know Sparks is great, and I believe them by the end because uh, you know I, 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 I know them well enough as performers, and I've uh, in the documentary they play enough of their music for me to say yeah these are good. These guys, they're pretty good. So yeah, I'm interested in your take whenever you see this, Marcus, because uh, I hope you do see it. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I would like to. Uh, I I would like to hear if you end up being a fan of Sparks by the end because it's uh, it's it, it's I'm I'm not gonna say I've never seen this before, but it's rare for me to see a music documentary that starts off by saying these guys have been around forever and you don't know who they are, right? Because mostly you see documentaries like, you know, the Billie Eilish documentary, Taylor Swift, uh, you know, Beatles, of course, have like 20 documentaries. You already know who they are. You're already like a fan of them or not, right? Mm-hmm. But coming mm-hmm. into Sparks, them already having a catalog, you know, it is try- the Sparks Brothers documentary is trying to sell you on them. And for me, it succeeds in selling me on them. And of course, I know who they are now. So yeah, very good. Um, read my review if you want, Marcus, or anybody listening. I don't care. Um, do you do do, <laughs> do you do you read Talk from Society, Marcus? Oh, every day. <laughs> every day. Uh, it's okay. my homepage. <laughs> if I ever see anything new there, I I read it. I read you the just whole thing. Read exclusively. Uh, pop- yeah, and I engage. I write comments. I tweet. Oh, you about do? It. Uh, yeah, and that's. <laughs> never, never seen that before. <laughs> never seen anything you've, you've ever written. Uh, uh, comments. I, I, I didn't even know we had a comment section. I can't believe that. All right. So I have a few more to talk about, Marcus, um, before we wrap up this segment. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. I'll talk about this. Introducing Summer Blair. Yes. This is the one I was most interested in. I didn't. I would, I, this is a topic I would like to know more about. This sounds very interesting. Yeah. Please tell me more. So, Simo Blair, as you know, you know, uh, she's a, an amazing actress from Hellboy, um, Cruel Intentions, right? She was in that. I still have not seen that, mm-hmm. but I need to see it. Um, she came out publicly a few years ago saying she has uh, multiple sclerosis, MS, um, and since then, she I have not. I mean, she she goes out publicly every once in a while, but I didn't. I I'm I'm not going to assume you know you know as much as me, but like I don't know much about MS. I don't have any family members diagnosed with MS. You know, it's it's hasn't been you know in close proximity to me. Um, I'm kind of ignorant about it, but having watched this. And having her, um, you know, battle MS, uh, the first like five minutes of this documentary, she's being interviewed. She's walking around with a cane, and then as she's being interviewed, um, she has like an episode where she can't talk, and like her her, you know, she she starts to move, like in you know in in like unusual ways, and you see the effect mm-hmm. MS has on somebody. And that, that was like the first five minutes. Like that's the kind of experience this whole documentary is, is it's very raw. She's very open about her MS. Uh, you see her struggling with it. And the main arc of this documentary is her, um, 
getting ready and going through this like stem cell um, procedure to hopefully you know curve the effects of MS. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. Uh, makes me love some of Blair even more uh, because she's just so upfront about what she's going through. She doesn't leave anything on the table in terms of like you know. Uh, how she's struggling, what's important to her, like her family, her kid. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a touching documentary. And um, yeah, I, it's, it's, I mean, nowadays, you know, this kind of reminded me, and this is something we've talked about on mic, but the episode was never released. Uh, we talked about um, the David Arquette documentary, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. This reminded me of that because, Similarly, in that David Arquette documentary, uh, which the name escapes me. Marcus, do you remember the name of that David? It, it's very good, by the way. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look you cannot kill yeah. David Arquette. You cannot kill David Arquette, which I highly recommend. Much like that documentary, Simo Blair like, has no qualms about being upfront with what she's going through. And yeah, it's, it's, it's touching. So I'm not sure when exactly. Oh, it says here it's being distributed by Discovery. Uh, plus, which I guess is a new streaming service. Uh, okay, I don't want to sure. get into it, but hopefully it'll be out in some way that a lot of people can see it. So yeah, introducing Simo Blair. Um, if you want to feel emotions, please watch this movie. <laughs> or, or honestly, if if you right. really want to learn more about MS and how you know treatment treatments can like help people with MS, um, how this is like, as far as I know, not. There's no cure for it, but the people who are struggling with it, you know, there are ways to help and to live with this, you know, diagnosis. So, yeah, uh, touching documentary. Uh, introducing some of Blair. Okay, I have more, Marcus. Hit me with them. <laughs> what we got? What's next? Uh, I quickly talk about Jacob's wife. Okay. All right. Another one I was interested in. Yeah, I I would be interested because I don't. How long have I known you, Marcus? A few years, a few months. Am I just yeah? Uh, however, however long Talk Film Society has existed, <laughs> that's how long you've known me. <laughs> uh, Four years. I, I uh, this one. Okay, Jake was wife. How, where? How do I get into this? I can see why people would think this is a bad movie. Okay. Okay. Um, the premise is. Uh, Barbara Crampton, who is amazing. Uh, She is wife to a uh, pastor. Um, And you think the movie's going one way with, like, the pastor being, like, the bad guy and, like, her being, like, a repressed, you know, housewife. But no. Um, She ends up being bitten by a vampire. And she she deals with being a vampire with her preacher wife. And they, they come to terms with her being a vampire. And there's some cheesy... I can say cheesy because it's it, it, it makes it it, it it doesn't pretend to be anything else than like well I don't let me, let me go back. It is very cheesy when it comes to horror because when I say cheesy I mean when somebody gets their neck slashed, buckets of blood comes out, schlocky. You know it, the, the the gore in this is incredible because people get decapitated, uh, people get you know exploded. It's like a vampire movie. Uh, and the horror in that vampire movie aspect of the of this like works right for its shocky you know special effects work right. It's also it tries to be like this touching 
uh, a story about like a husband and wife who uh, are you know they're they're they don't they don't have the connection anymore, but they try to make things work. Uh, the husband is played by Larry F- F- Fassenden. I can't pronounce his last name, but I'm sure you know people have seen him in other things because he's he's a very popular like character actor. Um, but not, I like it. Okay, I'm gonna say that. But it is very awkward at times when it comes to tone. It jumps back and forth between like you know schlocky horror and like you know sincere drama, and then back to schlocky horror. Uh, okay, I recommend it with. With a very with an asterisk, with an asterisk saying, listen, if you're into this kind of like schlockiness, sincerity in your horror movies, with it also having this aspect of like being very low budget, then yeah, I'm sure you might enjoy it. So you might enjoy so, this, Marcus, maybe. Okay, let me tell you why I was kind of interested in it. A, it's Barbara Crampton. She's cool. I she's like great. Her. But B, uh, CM Punk, professional wrestler oh. CM Punk, is in this movie. <laughs> And I would like to know more about him in this movie. Uh, any insight? I I had to be told who he was because I okay. I did not know who he played until I I looked it up. Uh, and he is a supporting character by the end. He plays okay. a, he plays a cop uh, with a mustache. Um, I don't know if he normally has a mustache or not, but I uh, no no. So it's quite a turn for CM Punk. Uh, him as a as a cop with a mustache. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a B movie uh, with him playing a cop. It's not necessarily like he's like uh, James Dean, right? He's not Daniel Day Lewis. You know, right. he's not setting the world right. on fire. Um, I, I uh, yeah, that that's all I can say. <laughs> it's not, it's not, there's nothing interesting beyond him playing a cop in the end. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair yeah. Enough. So I apologize. Like he's not like a vampire, like somebody that has like high stakes in this stakes. Get it, vampire. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, it's 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 like a cameo, basically a glorified cameo. Uh, but no, Barbara Crampton. I'll say if you love Barbara Crampton, anybody out there who loves Barbara Crampton, watch this because she she goes for it. She's very good in this. Um, but yeah, that's Jacob's wife. I should also look up when these movies are coming out. I, I want to say this is coming out through Shutter. Marcus, look this up. <laughs> okay. Okay, look it up as I talk about this next movie. Okay. Uh, I lost the. I have a thread here. Oh, here, here before. It's called Here Before. I quickly mention this. Uh, Andrea Riceborough. Uh, if you don't know who that is, look her up. I'm sure you've seen her in some other great movies. She was in Mandy. Uh, playing the titular Mandy, um, Camille, and she was in Possessor. She was great in Possessor. Uh, she plays a um, a wife who lost a daughter, um, and she's come. You know, she it's been a few years she, since she lost her daughter. She's with her family um, in uh, in this in this uh, Irish uh, neighborhood, and some new neighbors uh, move in next door. And she befriends uh, uh, those neighbors. Uh, they have a they have a daughter. She befriends this daughter, and this daughter starts to reference things um, uh, about Riceboro's um, deceased daughter. Uh, have you seen the movie Birth, Marcus? I have not. Uh, you should see that with, with Nicole Kidman. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I'm aware of what it is. The premise of that movie reminded me of the premise of here before, because um, yeah, it's it's like a ghost story about um, you know coming to terms with trauma and somebody saying there's somebody who's important to you and you don't there's no clear explanation in the beginning. Yeah, it's a very intriguing premise. I think Riceboro, as always, he's amazing in this. In the direction by Stacy Gregg, her her uh, feature film debut. She's uh, her uh, direction of this is is great. So it's this is one of my favorites of the ones I've seen. Is here before. Um, I I actually had a chance to interview Andrew Riceborough and the director. Um, I'm sure eventually that uh, interview will be out in some form um, in the next few weeks. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a good time talking to them. Uh, which I've never done before, Marcus. I've never done a celebrity interview, uh, really, up until that point. Uh, but yeah, did you look up when Jacob's Wife is coming out or where it's coming out? Jacob's Wife arrives in theaters and on VOD platforms April 16th, followed by a streaming release on Shudder later yeah, this see? year. I said Shudder, right? Yeah, I was right on the mark. You did. Yeah, yeah you were half right. Speaking of Shudder, Violation is coming out on Shudder. Uh, later this month, I think. Not gonna say much about this. It's I will say it's a rape revenge movie, but very unexpected in how it handles the revenge part of the revenge story. Gruesome in very real ways in terms of the violence it shows. Um, I wrote a review for it on the site. Read that if you want. Uh, but yeah, I kind of went went into this sort of blind expecting a horror movie and got a lot out of it like it's, it's it has stayed with me since seeing it um about two weeks ago yeah so violation i know for sure marcus that's on shutter i'm going to guess here's my wild guess and you can look it up and correct me i'm gonna say the 26th of march it's probably not right but here okay. uh, look that up okay let me go to the next one <laughs> um see you then uh, indie movie about these partners not having seen each other for for years and years meet up. Um, one of them is trans. Uh, they transitioned, um, you know, uh, in that break uh, f- from seeing one another. And I love it because it it, it shows you. It, it has this perspective, this conversation that you don't normally see in feature, you know, films. Period about you know the, the the trans experience and what it means uh you know with one person's identity and how that affects other people you know in in, in their lives so very well done see you then uh performances are amazing next movie uh Ludi. um i want to pronounce his name as well as i can uh shin mom premier okay the lead actress of Ludi is amazing I want her to be a household name, you know, in the next few years. Her performance in 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 in, in Ludi is like is like breakthrough. Uh, I can't believe you know more people aren't talking about her um, in particular. But yeah, um, it's a movie about living, you know, in America, you know, under the poverty, you know, pretty much living, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And uh, she is. A, a nurse uh, trying to go from job to job and, and trying to you know send money to her family back in Haiti, you know her living in Miami, um, and yeah, it's 
it's uh, emotional at times. It's funny at times. And again, that lead performance uh, by by Shin Mom Premier is fantastic. So that's great. Okay, let me give you one more. Oxy Kings, a documentary about the opioid crisis, um, kind of goes from the bottom to the top of like who uh, is at fault with you know these you know the, the, these pills you know being you know uh, the, the, this illegal drug trade you know these um, you know people getting addicted you know to to these opioids. It starts from you know the the uh, the, the drug dealers and it climbs up to the pharmaceutical companies and the CEOs in charge. And by the end of the movie, that's who we're focused on. That's where the main problem is with this opioid epidemic um, is those CEOs. And it ends with like this um, ongoing court case against them because so many drug dealers and so many people like, you know, uh, you know, at, at the bottom rung of this thing, so many people have been affected by it in terms of the jail time, addiction, death, but nobody at the top, no, you know, uh, the, the the CEOs at the top, those people in charge of moving pills to these pharmacies that they shouldn't, all this stuff. Nobody at the top has been, you know, charged or or, or, or you know has, has served prison time for this, which is insane. So, not a lot of new information, but it again points that finger at who we should be mad at and who should be, um, you know. Uh, you know, put in prison for this thing. Uh, the ongoing opioid crisis. Okay, so that's the Oxy Kingpins. Uh, I think executive produced by Adam McKay. So what a surprise. Um, okay, Marcus, any updates on release dates? Uh, yeah, Violation comes out March 25th. Oh, damn, it was off by a day. Okay. Yep, one day. I, th- I thought I had more, but I think that's it. I think th- those are all the movies I want to talk about. Is that every single movie you saw? Yeah, it wasn't that much. It was just a few. And look, I, I said we were going to be done about 30 minutes. We're, we're, we're on our 50th minute at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I hope that was sufficient enough for people. Uh, look for these movies. I know Marcus uh, told you the release dates on some of them. Do your homework. I'm going to list the movies out on, on the uh, podcast description page. Um, and if I'm not... Too lazy. I'll probably add uh, release dates and where you can find them, but we'll see. We'll see how I feel. So check for that on this website uh, if you're not already there uh, under this episode description. Okay. Any last words on South by Southwest, Marcus? Oh boy, I wish I could have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great because uh, uh, like yeah, uh, wasn't it would have been very good. Wasn't there one about Kevin Smith that you really wanted to see? Yeah, there was a documentary about Kevin Smith that, again, to some weird technical difficulties, it, it <sighs> was one of a few movies that I could not watch, which is a shame. But, but uh, hey, you know, I, I'm sure that movie will be available in some way sometime later, and I'll be able to watch it there, huh? Yeah. Well, what do you think about that? Did you see uh, – oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of – oh, wait a second. I'm conflating two things. Did Uh-oh. did did Kevin Smith uh, tweet a picture of himself crying watching Justice League or the WandaVision <laughs> finale or both? <laughs> I well, he has. There are probably hours and hours and hours of video footage of him crying that you can find about about, about, about comic book movies, about comic book movies, about movies he saw. So. That's probably just a screenshot taken from one of those. I know exactly what picture you're talking about, though. <laughs> but 
I, I think the one I'm thinking of was from WandaVision, though. Now, because I thought it was Justice League, but I'm sure I'm sure you cried during <laughs> yeah. Justice League. Um, before we before I end this discussion with you, Marcus, the next segment will be nothing but Justice League talk with Harrison. I want to get your thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League. All right, go for Let's it. Let's do it. Go now. Okay, Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is the <laughs> I liked it a lot. I thought it was a very good movie. I I uh, I, I actually reviewed um, our original uh, the the original Justice League for Talk Film Society. You can go back and read that review that I believe I'm ashamed of by now because I I at the time I actually kind of enjoyed it. Like I recognized it as being kind of messy and it feels like it wasn't very well put together and kind of made up of. Uh, I don't know this. It feels, it feels like the hack together movie that we now know it definitely was, but I still enjoyed it. I still had a pretty fun time, but like, I don't know the more I think about it, I've watched it once since then. I really dislike that original version now. And it's, it could be just, uh, you know, the bad press around it and what we know, the terrible things that happened to like Ray Fisher and other people on that set. But, um, so I, I've been, and I've always been a fan of Zack Snyder's movies, so I've been kind of uh, rooting that this thing would actually come out for some time now. And I'm very glad it did, and I watched it, and it did not disappoint me whatsoever. I I thought it was a phenomenally well-done movie. For a four-hour movie to be as well-paced as it was, I never was bored. I never wanted to turn the thing off or uh, go take a break. Uh I still had to because it's four hours and you oh, go yeah. to the bathroom or whatever. Yeah, but uh, I I was totally engaged with it the entire time. I think some of the cinematography is just gorgeous. Like some of the visuals that they show off, like they're they're really beautiful. Like in particular, like one of them that really stands out to me is one of the first times we see Aqua, uh, Aquaman and he's out on the dock and then the entire screen gets filled with water that rushes in. And it's, it's, I, there's so many beautiful moments in it like that, uh, just visually. And I think the story has some, it's not the most compelling, uh, uh, comic book story you've ever seen, but like, it's also got, uh, but it also does have like a really good villain. Like they turned Steppenwolf who was kind of nothing, in the other version of this movie, they turned him into somebody that's not exactly sympathetic, but you can at least see where that, what his goal is and where he's coming from and what he's ultimately trying to get. And you, I don't know. I cared much more about that aspect of the movie this time around. And I just want to say that the finale that I think the action set piece finale is just so, so, so good. Um, like really just top tier comic book, action set piece shit it's, it's really 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 fun stuff i i enjoyed the movie a great deal yeah i i i shouldn't be saying this i i i should i should have said that this was planned all along but i'm realizing that uh with you writing the original the theatrical version review for talk from society i have harrison who wrote the, the Zack snyder review for justice league so i have the two reviewers that reviewed it twice for the site here on this episode um and uh i'm going to reread your original review before i talk to harrison i'm going to talk to him about how wrong you were back then um because yeah <laughs> thank you i i'll say this and i'll i'll uh, i'll dive more into the movie and i think more into spoilers on the next segment but 
Yeah, I went. There were two instances in the movie where I had to pause and and uh, and quickly go to the theatrical version of this, which is also on HBO Max, and compare real quick. I go, wait, this change. That's interesting. Yeah, because I wanted to know how bad it was in the original cut and how improved it was in the new cut. Um, and I'll say one of those instances was the finale where I watched the whole finale of the Zack Snyder cut. I'm like, wow, that is amazing. I have no memory of the theatrical cut really. So I have to go back and watch that just to compare. And yeah, that finale alone, what the flash does, and I won't say what he does. Yeah, that is top two. Yeah. That right there. I do not know why that was cut out of the theatrical version other than just contempt for Zack Snyder's, vision because what the flash does in particular it's phenomenal it's amazing and some of the best superhero stuff i've seen ever so yeah i'm 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 with you like i i'm i'm surprised at how much i really 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 like the Zack snyder cut of justice league uh but yeah um and anything else to say before i hang up on you marcus uh, uh, keep rocking. <laughs> keep on rocking in the free world. Plugs where people find you online, Marcus. Um, 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 come follow me on Twitter at junkblader. G U N K B L A D E R. Um, uh, May 21st, there's something interesting happening on that date, and you might want to be following me or Marcelo around that date to find out what it is. Yeah. We're Talk Film Society. May 21st. That's all we'll say. Something's yeah. going to happen on May all 21st. We'll something's going to happen on May 21st, 2021. Something up. Something apocalyptic. Okay, you're giving too much away. Um, thank- well, I mean, look, we're, we're doing a big podcast. <laughs> no, I'm done. Uh, I'm done. I always want to play it close to the vest or close to the chest. As uh, Commissioner Gordon once said. Um, all right, that's enough out of Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. I'll talk to you later. Thank uh, you, and now stay tuned for more Justice League talk with me and Harrison. You know how this goes, Harrison, right? I mean, we're, we're, yeah, just, we're just diving into this. We've, we've, uh, we've done this before. A few times. How many times have we done it at this point? Like at least 10, 12? Something like that. <laughs> uh, you wrote a review for Zack Snyder's Justice League for the website I did. Talk Film Society. Is that? I mean that that is correct, right? I, I'm I'm not uh, lied yet. So I far. mean, I mean unless uh, <laughs> unless somebody unless Matt re-edited it and put his own name on it. Yeah, that's me. As far as I know, no Matt Curione, uh, editor at large at Talk Film Society, did not just copy and paste his review in that review of our uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League review. Um, no, well, I want to get into, and the reason why I'm having you on the show is because, one, yes, you, you uh, wrote the review for the new <laughs> Justice League, uh, uh, and this is the Talk From Society podcast, and also yeah. everybody's talking about Justice League, so why not jump on the bandwagon, right? Um, yeah. F- also, fun fact, uh, Marcus Serving, who I was just talking to in the last segment, he wrote the review for the original theatrical cut of Justice League. So on this episode, coincidentally, I didn't plan it, but uh, two sides of the uh, you know of the coin when it comes to Justice League and reviews for Talk from Society. 
I want to hear how you came about um, reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League. Because <laughs> I, I actually am foggy on it. I don't remember who actually proposed it. Was it like a, like a veiled threat? I think, well, was it you? Like, uh, how, how do you recall it going, Harrison? So what happened was HBO Max gets announced. Yeah. And the release the Snyder Cut fanboys were getting real intolerable by that point. Like, they were always intolerable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Fuck those people. Yeah. Like, shut up. They're the worst. Um, they're the worst. Uh, but they got louder and louder as, it, as the uh, HBO Max thing got announced. Um, no, it must have been in the lead-up to that, in the lead-up to the actual HBO Max announcement, because if I recall correctly, HBO Max got announced with, the, with Zack Snyder's Justice League as, like, its headliner. Yeah, that uh, if it didn't happen like in the same day, I think it happened pretty like yeah. uh, close to each other. Yeah, yeah. But like when when news broke that a that Warner was going to do their own streaming service um, before the official announcement, um, I in 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 the Talk Film Society Slack, I said something to the effect of, uh. If the Snyder Cut ends up being a real thing, I'll review that. I'll I'll take the bullet and review this movie. I don't think it's going to happen, and I'm confident enough to stake my yeah stake yeah that's, duties on it. That's what happened because yeah, and and this gets us into the actual uh, behind the scenes thing, which I find uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying like I did like Zack Snyder's Justice League maybe more than I thought I would, and I think mm-hmm. it's only because. I know the backstory, and I know what went into the making of it, and why Zack Snyder wanted to come back and and uh, finish the movie, right? But yeah, and and watching it for this uh, episode, I I seem to remember, and this is also funny because it's been happening because all all this talk leading up to this, to the release of the Snyder Cut, has just been the majority of it. Like the majority of like what these last uh, four years have been just like oh it's never gonna happen we're all you know it's it's this fan base you know talking this up and even Snyder was like you know you know winking at them it seemed like you know oh I do have the Snyder cut but it was in my mind I mean like you because you made that you know that declaration oh you know if it happens I'll review it that's what you said. I was like on the same. I, I, I'm on. I was on. You know, same boat with you. I was like, "There's no way this is gonna happen." You know, it's just hearsay. I don't know why they're just even like Gal Gadot at one point, Ben Affleck, you know, Jason Momoa were were, were you know chiming oh, in. And even then, even then, I was like, "No way, it's not gonna happen." No, no way. And then it happened. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Uh, we 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 all remember that in the Slack. And uh, of course, you know you, you have to. You're you're I a man of your word, the, right? I was the most upset I've ever been about <laughs> the announcement. I do remember that. I was so upset that morning that it was official, which is it's a it was a surreal day, I think, because every I mean, yeah, we were all thinking, no, no way's gonna happen. Then it, they were like, oh yes, it's happening. It's actually going to come out on HBO Max. It's going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I was shocked. Obviously, because, again, like I said, I just spent, like, the last few minutes just saying, it's never going to happen, never going to happen, and then, yeah, it happens. Um, it's so odd, like, again, watching this and remembering, you know, right after the first Justice League came out, thinking, 
oh, I, you know, or reading online about like a mystery Zack Snyder cut and like somebody describing what's in it, like this like editor or like this like uh, mm-hmm. VFX person posted something on a forum saying, you know, this is this, the Snyder cut's real, guys. Here's what's in it. And I, as I was watching this Fire thing, I I thought back to that like post on a forum like four years ago and like, oh, they're right. Fuck what? <laughs> <laughs> I I hate that the internet community. This at this particular moment was well. I don't hate that they were right. I just I hate that, you know. I tend to not believe things I read on the internet, and when it happens to be true, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> um, well, shit. All right. Well, shit. Okay. Um, but okay. Forget everything beyond Snyder Cut. Let's focus on the Snyder Cut, okay? Because yeah, I want to ask you about that too. In terms of like your you you coming into it, okay. You didn't think it was going to happen, uh, uh, and mm-hmm. you had a bad day when it actually was going to happen when they announced it. Right? It's the worst day. Tell it's me the absolute worst. About that, because how how do you how do you feel about the theatrical cut? And then what was your hesitation to actually you know first seeing the new cut and then actually reviewing it? So, I actually hadn't seen the theatrical cut of Justice League until literally the day before. Uh, the Snyder Cut dropped. Oh, I didn't. Because, I actually didn't know that. I I, I saw that yeah. you had rewatched, uh, but I assumed you watched it before. So that's wow. Nope. Okay. Wow. Nope. I I had heard enough about that from enough people that I knew I was not gonna like it because I have, I have. <laughs> in case you couldn't, if you read my review and couldn't tell, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Joss Whedon. I used to be, and then the sheen wore off, and I can't stand the man anymore. Oh, yeah. Which. You know, has he's been making himself more and more unlikable uh, as time goes on. Um, but my my main hesitation was just like, oh god, one we're validating the fanboy screaming, which is never a good time. Never do that. It's a bad. It's a bad look. Um, and then also the other DC stuff was so hit and miss for me. Like I, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm middling on Man of Steel. I think Batman vs Superman is good in a way that it, like, isn't acknowledged to be. Like, there's been the reappraisal happening, like, in the run-up to just uh, in the run-up to the Snyder Cut, but, like, the the general reception to that movie, I'm like, y'all are, ex- y'all were expecting something completely different, and were mostly upset you didn't get it. Like, that's that's how the Batman vs. Superman reaction reads to me. Again, yeah. it's, it's okay to not like a movie, it's okay to like a movie, but, like, the ultimate critical reception to that movie felt like people were just upset they didn't get what they wanted uh, and didn't know how to handle what they got. Yeah. Um, going into a four-hour cut of <laughs> what I heard was generally a bad movie and what I know to now to be a really bad movie with way too much Joss Whedon bullshit in it. Uh, I, I, one can be forgiven for being hesitant. Yeah. Um, and then just everything that can... I I'd I'd begun to turn around on it and then the Jared Leto Joker announcement hit and I wanted to throw myself off a roof. Yeah. I was not oh god. And Leto fucking sucks. Yeah. Just in general, but man, he's bad in this. He's he so bad. I I I guess uh, I yeah, let's there's there's no room here for like uh uh you know, uh format. So I can just say it, it, 
if if you've listen if you if you're listening to this, I'm going to assume you've seen yeah, the movie. Let's, I'm not let, holding back. I held back a bit in my review, but I'm um I I don't want I, I want to get into it. Uh, yeah, know? yeah. I I I didn't talk spoilers in the last segment at the end of that segment with Marcus and uh, Justice League, but I'll just say it here, folks. If you haven't seen it, which at this point, this episode's releasing, you know, the Tuesday after it premiered on Thursday. Um, you may not have seen it, which is fine. You know, uh, uh, I, I, I recommend you see it. Go see it. I think even Harrison yeah. can say, yeah, check it out. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Go watch it. Go watch it. Um, and if you don't want to be spoiled, you know, stop listening to this. Come back after you've seen it. If you don't care about spoilers, continue listening. If you've already seen it, you know how it works. Keep listening. So yeah, Jared Leto pops up, and he is the worst. Jesus he is fuck. the worst thing about this movie, which is no, no, it's it, it, it's fitting because he sucks. It's extremely fitting. He is the worst. He's the fucking worst, hands down. He's so bad. I love that new Blade Runner movie. He's the fucking worst just by his presence. Yeah. Same with Tron. Just fuck off, I, my guy. I'm amazed that I was like so close to not. You know, there are elements of this movie that I'll say aren't perfect, right? And I, 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 I wouldn't give this like a perfect score, right? Jared Leto doesn't help things at all, though. Because <laughs> like, no. if he wasn't in the movie, I think I'd pop it up like another half star or something. He really brings it down for a way too long scene in the epilogue that really doesn't need to be as long as it is. Really doesn't need to be as like Joker heavy or Leto heavy. Yeah, it's a bummer that he's in it. It's like the one real bad thing about this movie, if you ask me, is that it's Jared it's Leto. It's real bad. It's real bad, and just the f- that's the, the the whole flat like the weird flash forwards they keep doing in this, and like the one that pops up in Batman vs Superman. I think they rule. I think it's a great yeah, it's, concept it, yeah, to exactly. keep yeah. teasing out like this pseudo injusticey future timeline where Superman has just gone full like tyrant, and like. Dark side's there as well, and he's got Superman on his side, and shit's just broken bad real hard. But man, can we not with the weird, like using the using the death of women as chess pieces between Batman and the Joker? That's real gross and bad. <laughs> yeah, that that is bad. Um, yeah, the whole impetus, and yeah, oh, we're we're talking spoilers. I, 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 yeah, I like that we. Okay, so let's start here. At the end. <laughs> because what I find fascinating about this is that even though Zack Snyder has said, yes, I'll come back to make this four-hour cut of my movie, right? I'll finish it. But he also, just for whatever reason, decides to uh, tack on this epilogue or expand on it. Because like, in that epilogue, after, what, five, five or six chapters of the main movie, right? Yeah, you know, they win. We see this epilogue of like, yes, you know, uh, what's you know, uh, gradually we see you know what these superheroes are gonna do from you know now on. We see like the post-credit sequence from the original theatrical cut of Justice League, but now like edited uh, correctly. Like it makes more sense now it, uh, with uh, Jesse mm-hmm. Eisenberg as Luther and um, who is it? Uh, is it? Oh, I forget the actor's name, but he plays. Um, I forget that character's name, but uh, the bad guy uh, that Batman takes on. Um, I don't That's know. That's uh, it's 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 Deathstroke. Deathstroke it's Wilson. I don't I don't know who the actor is either. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up as I as I continue. But um, anyway, yes, we see that, and then yeah, then we just talked about the whole future sequence with like uh, Batman and um, 
uh, the Joker in this like alternate reality or or possibly you know reality reality of like the future coming up. And then Bruce Wayne wakes up into a dream, and then he talks to uh, Martian, Martian Manhunter. Man <sighs> I and then like and then like you know uh, the the week of uh, of press the, the the week of him of Snyder doing these interviews leading up to the Snyder you know the release of the Snyder cut. He he talks about oh here was here's my plan for the entire Justice League trilogy. Like he just he just he just reveals it all. Yeah. I I guess I like the fact that he just like <laughs> puts his cards on the he table. He did the thing. He's like here it is and here's you know here are teasers to that you know a uh, uh, future franchise that probably may Which not happen. It's never going to happen because yeah. he in the in the press run up to this he's also <clears throat> he's also been very clear that Warner is like no, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Which th- is such a fucking bummer. <laughs> yeah, which I and, I and like in that I'm like I give him props because like I I like that he you know wants to add those teasers in because I do believe him when he says he's like done right, but then he also kind of yeah. winks. He's like, well, I never expected to come back and finish the four hour cut, and I did. So who knows what'll happen? So I don't know. Yeah. I, I I'm not gonna say you know it's never gonna happen because. Hey, remember last time I said that? Then it happened. Yeah, I ended up reviewing a four-hour <laughs> fucking movie. Would you review the four-hour uh, Justice League Two that's coming out in about you know three or four years? Harrison, can you can can we sign you up for that? Are we gonna put me on record again? <laughs> like, like, honestly, you know what? Fuck it. Let's. Yeah. Fucking can't happen to me twice. I'll say it on mic. If it fucking happens, I'll review it. I don't give a shit. I'll do it. Um, and and it, I I think I think it shows how much passion snyder has for these characters mm-hmm. in this world and like his vision of like what the franchise was going to be i think that's like the main reason right you think that the reason why he did that epilogue the way he did because like, like yeah mm-hmm. like like we just said he's on the record saying you know he's kind of done he just wants to move on he wants to make the zombie movies and netflix and like the fountainhead in like a few years like that's what he wants God. to do Ugh. Um, and hey, did you catch <sighs> yeah. that Fountainhead reference in? Uh, I've never read the Fountainhead because fuck Ayn Rand. But no, so no, I didn't catch that Fountainhead reference. But I'm like, this is weird. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's uh, he he's obsessed with that book and uh, I guess her philosophy. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, there's there's a, there's a newspaper that says like you know somebody's hired to to run a Manhattan company, do or some architecture, yeah, bullshit, whatever, which like. And yeah, the Fountainhead's entirely about an architect wanting to make like his dream project and like keep getting stre- like cut off at the knees by regulations and shit. Randian philosophy is real gross, and it's basically like don't kneecap the powerful because they'll do more. They can do more for people without the influence of government. Which sure, okay, I don't need to talk about Randian <laughs> philosophy right now because I'll just fucking but, scream about it for two hours but according to Zack Snyder um, the DCU his universe the Zack Snyder cinematic universe is part of the Ayn Rand cinematic universe so it's all connected so uh, I mean I was fully expecting Ayn Rand to come up at the end of Justice League you know and then instead god. of Martian Manhunter um, oh dear fucking god no but, okay so Ugh. I want to talk about Zack Snyder as a person okay and and, yeah. and, and like me coming into the Snyder Cut and then I'll ask you the same thing, but I'll tell you um, the question for me is I'm asking myself is like, how do I feel about Snyder and him as a person in his filmography? Like I'm not, I'm kind of like you in terms of his, in term, when it comes to his films, I'm not that huge of a fan, right? Especially like um, 
Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I think those movies were him trying to capture the aura, like the themes of Watchmen again. And I think Watchmen is, is like is like his best work still, uh, even above this new Justice League. Like that's him, most unfiltered, most like unbound by, you know, it seems like unbound by, uh, um, you know, producers, figureheads, like trying to like uh, uh, move a franchise forward because it's just one and done. Watchmen, like that mm-hmm. story is like encaps encapsulated in that one movie, and it works. Um, it works as well as like as a, a, a Zack Snyder movie, I'll say. Like visually, story wise, it has its problems, but like that's the most Zack Snyder, right? And I think he's been just trying to chase that dragon from that point on. Like with Man, uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, that was me coming into the Justice League. And then, of course, I read about you know what happened to his family when he was trying to make you know Justice League back in you know 2017 and why he left. And so I read up about that. I knew more about the man, you know, and like, you know, uh, what he was doing behind the scenes, like raising money for suicide prevention awareness, um, just all, all all of this stuff, all this charity he's been doing, you know, since then. And I'm like, oh, this guy is a good guy. And like he, and there's a reason I think why like Gal Gadot and Ben Affleck and Jason Momoa, um, all these people were like on his side when, he, when it came to, you know, the Snyder Cut. And I think they even came back for reshoots. Mm-hmm. For, for this cut too and Ray Fisher too I mean Ray Fisher uh, it, it has been praising Snyder too like all these actors are on his side and I have to believe he is a good guy from, from well, all I've read so all that goodwill you know all of that like you know backstory for me really played into the movie itself because I think it is more emotionally impactful obviously than like the theatrical cut which will <laughs> I'll talk about the differences there in a bit too that plays into this movie, and I don't know how I'd feel if this movie came out in 2017, if I'd feel this strongly for it. Because I think he puts a lot of emotional baggage, I think, into this movie. Baggage in, like, the good way. Like, him as a as a filmmaker now, I think, put a lot more of his personal vision in it than I think he would have, like, four years ago. I think for the better. It is messy at points. It's not like a perfect movie, but yeah, I, uh, I you know, I almost cried twice watching this because I knew the story behind it and I knew like his selections for like music, and you know the the you know scenes with like Superman coming back from the dead and meeting up with his you know mother and all that stuff. Just now with this like new lens, like now reading more about the man and what he's done, you know, in the last four years, it's powerful. And yeah, it's it's an odd thing because I don't know how I'd feel if I didn't know any of that story, you know, behind the scenes. It's it's a weird thing. It's 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 rare that that's happened where I I put so much into a movie, right? If that makes sense. Like I, I was trying to figure out if like there was like a phrase or a word for this where, you know, does something exist purely in a vacuum or do we bring in all this stuff, you know, into it ourselves, right? It's it's that kind of like film criticism that I'm kind of intrigued by mm-hmm. like um hopefully this makes sense to you harrison the listeners but yeah it's yeah it, 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 it that's like ultimately how i feel about it i think it's a it's a great piece of art um in a way that a person like that can come in and make it his own uh with still there's still you know ties to like you know f- you know teasing future films and like past entries you know references all of that but still beyond that there's still some heart in there which i was not expecting that was the biggest surprise for me just how much heart 
this thing has. But anyway, that's kind of like how I feel about this whole thing. Uh, Harrison, I'm going to turn it to you. I know I said a lot, so, but that was no, basically that's, that's my good. feeling coming in. I think. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I, to to build off of that a little bit before I talk about my history with Snyder, because my history with Snyder is weird. Um, I think what you're gesturing at is like we. It is imp- in terms of film criticism, it is impossible to ignore the circumstances of production or the paratext that surround a work in our interpretation of it. It's something Alex and I get into quite a lot in on our show. Dream a little deeper. Like oh, we're literally half of that. <laughs> half of the yeah. Where literally half of each episode is discuss- discussing history and context that like shape the production of each uh, Disney animated movie. So I, I get you in terms of like no, acknowledge like the acknowledgement of the fact that like your understanding of like the behind the scenes stuff for the Snyder Cut like definitely influenced how you read it. For me, I specifically that like that um. That, that that one article that was circulating like a week before the release of this cut of Justice League going into like all the behind the scenes production stuff I specifically avoided mm. because I wanted to kind yeah. of just judge it on terms of what I what I knew about Snyder going in and like just kind of like on in within the chronology of his work specifically not necessarily within the context of the weird nonsense that happened behind the scenes, which is exceedingly important to this, but I thought it would be an interesting thought experiment to like kind of eschew that and judge it as close to in a vacuum as possible. Yeah. Uh, obviously you can't judge a, a single movie in a vacuum because it like every subsequent film in a director's filmography is building on the previous one, which Snyder has specifically said about um, the DC stuff where he's like, Oh no, I, fi- I see building on each one by adding 20 minutes to the next one, which I think is just deeply funny and in a weird way, kind of cute and like a little naive in terms of like what it means to build on your previous work. Um, Speaking of his previous work, I, <laughs> I fucking hate Watchmen. I think Watchmen's <laughs> bad. Uh, I think fair, Watchmen fair. is, yeah. Watchmen is a, a is and uh, this accusation can kind of be leveled at Snyder generally. He is so fixated on the aesthetics of what he is doing that he sometimes can miss the forest for the trees in a way. Um, and I think that's really apparent with Watchmen. Like I get, I, I don't doubt that he loves Watchmen, but I also don't feel like he manages to adapt like the deeper uh, stuff from that comic book, which I think. I used to really like Snyder's ending of that movie, and I now having gone back and read the book again and watched the movie, I think he he's missing a few tricks from it because there's some real easy loop. Like there's there's some pretty glaring issues with that ending, and then and like I think something like the HBO Watchmen, which also has plenty of issues and also kind of bungles its ending, in my opinion, gets gets a little bit closer at what the original book is going for. Uh, as opposed to just adapting the aesthetics of it. Uh, I think... I think... It, it's hard to say I have a favorite Zack Snyder movie, because I don't think I like any of them. I find, as I say in my review, I find him an exceedingly interesting director, because he's very much interested in saying things. Uh, I don't know he. I don't know if he knows what those things are all the time, 
Um, like the the example I hold up is Sucker Punch, which was the first Snyder movie I saw in a in a gender studies class I took an undergrad. <laughs> um, and that movie is very much about feminism but i don't know what i don't think snyder's entirely sure what he's trying to say about feminism um so i think that kind of carries forwards into his dc work where you're right he does very clearly have some respect for these characters and passion for them but he also kind of seems to fucking hate these characters yeah. like this these movies are kind of fucking mean i like batman vs superman is really mean to both of those characters i don't know why like i i'm i'm in agreement in that like i i do would i would like it to at this point we watch man of steel and batman v superman right i don't have a lot of favorable you know favorable things to say about them at this point I, I, I remember my biggest beef with those two movies being that he just I, like I'm just gonna you know repeat what you just said like he I don't think he has a a reverence for those characters like I think somebody who makes those movies should like shouldn't you at least like like Superman <laughs> to make no. a Superman movie <laughs> and no and see that's that's the that's the sticking point to come back to like what I was saying originally about like the initial reaction of Batman vs Superman it was a lot of people being like this isn't what Batman is supposed to be this isn't what Superman is supposed to be these are like decades like almost century old characters at this point like you can be deeply fascinated by these characters and not like them and still have a lot to say about them I mean like that's Alan Moore's whole deal with like that's why Watchmen exists yeah see, you know and and that's why I think um Watchmen the movie for me works as like um the ultimate like Zack Snyder magnum opus for good and bad because he he does not have any reference for those characters at all like those main characters in Watchmen and he shouldn't Right. Um, but when he takes those same philosophies and puts them like on Superman and Batman, for for me it didn't work, for for a lot of reasons in those two movies. But I'll say, in Justice League, I don't see that. And this is why I want to revisit Man of Steel and Batman v Superman because I'm interested. Like, if I'm wrong about that, like maybe my interpretation of like him, you know, hating, <laughs> not having, you know, a love or passion for Superman, if that's wrong on my part, because for sure. In this cut, in the New Justice League, there is a huge passion and reverence and like respect for Superman that I have not seen before in a Zack Snyder movie, which is like okay, you get him for the most part now, like say for like maybe one scene in Justice League, <laughs> but uh, like mm-hmm. there is a there is a triumphant moment when the you know the remaining Justice League like uh, say yes, we're going to bring back Superman, and you see like the red cape and like this hologram. And the music swells, and I was like, "Wow, this is like a an a, an immense moment in this movie that I had not seen before." In like another Zack Snyder superhero movie, where it's like, "Yes, yeah, Superman is an icon. We respect him. We need him back on our team because he's like, you know, an a, an, an Ubermensch. Like he is a god." And I'm like, "This is again." The first time in like mm-hmm. what like uh, six hours of Zack Snyder Superman DC content that I'm like finally he gets Superman, which is insane. It took him three movies, but I think he finally got Superman. At least at least on my part. right. But but the the interesting thing about that is that's not the version of Superman that comes back. 
that's not the version of Superman we get. That is true, which is which is which is odd. I don't know why he got the black and white I think, suit. I don't know. <laughs> I think it rules. I think black suit Superman rules. Listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that, but his it's, th- there's no rationale behind it. You you have to agree with that. Like he just picks the new suit and it's like that's it. Nobody comments on it. That's just my new suit now. Right, but ultimately. Like, I I I'm 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 doing a bit of lifting for the movie here because okay. it it ultimately seems like we need this power back. We don't necessarily need what that Superman represents back. So like they bring him back and he is different. Like it's not the same dude from before. It it is and it isn't, you know? Yeah. Like if it were the same dude from before, he would have put on the blue and red suit in which is like in the background but he literally turns his back on that version of superman and puts on the dark suit and then proceeds to just annihilate steppenwolf oh yeah just absolutely yeah. slaughter him and <laughs> i uh and i don't know if it's because i was just on board with this cut like for at that point three hours already and i was like yes i want superman at this point and maybe yeah because he he comes back as like Zack Snyder Superman through and through. I guess it yeah. is. It, 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 um, thematically, it makes sense to have Superman in like a new suit because yeah, it's not the same. It's not the red and blue Superman that, that we know. No, it's it's this new iteration. And when he beat uh, Steppenwolf senselessly, punching him like hundred times in the head, I'm like, yeah, I can, I, I buy this. This is good. <laughs> you know, rather than me cringing when he, uh, you know, twisted. Uh, what's his face? Zod's head Zod. like a bottle cap in Man yeah. of Steel, which was uh, excruciating to 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 watch. Um, yeah. So that's Superman. What about okay? Sh- okay. Uh, since this is on my mind, just the the differences between the the two cuts. Okay, for me at least, they were stark, <laughs> vast <Yeah. laughs> differences. At one point, I had to pause the movie. And go on HBO. I mean, I was an HBO already. I just, you mm-hmm. know, searched for the theatrical cut, watched some of that to compare, like, what I just saw in the, in the four-hour cut and just to see the difference. And then that uh, Superman is Dead montage that Whedon did is uh, not good, especially with, like, that no. cell phone footage of Superman um, with that crazy jaw on Cavill. Uh, terrible. Um, and then, you know, what... Zack Snyder does in his cuts, his music choices there, and like just having it breathe more, which is this that that's a lot of this movie is just breathing because it's four hours long. I get yeah, it mm-hmm. works. So I did that once then, and then at the end, which I want to talk about the climax, like the final action sequence. It's insanely different and insanely better in the four-hour Justice League cut. Versus the theatrical cut, which I had to go back, watch that final fight sequence at the end of the, the theatrical cut, and just say, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> this is not it's good. so bad. It's so bad. Like, not even just the Flash like pushing that truck for whatever reason. Um, also, just like the, 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 the jokes, the quote-unquote jokes, and the, the, the laughs all these superheroes have. by Yeah. You know, all this stuff that Whedon puts in there. Tell me about that. We we uh, didn't can't fucking help himself. It's the fucking worst. And like this is part of this is part of what eventually broke me on the MCU is just they couldn't get out. The MCU couldn't get out from under Whedon's writing style. Uh, once the MCU became what it is now, 
Um, they're fine. I feel like they're starting to move past the fucking bad, weird quips and shit, but like it's still there. But man, Joss Whedon's writing style does not work in in the theatrical cut because like there are like pretty good like serious moments and then it's undercut by like a one-off and it's just it's bad like we didn't ugh, just i'm trying to think of specifics right now yeah um and just there's there's the one where they're like where flat like right at the end flash is like excited that they fucking kick the shit out of steppenwolf and wonder woman just goes children I work with children. I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. He's a literal child. He's a child, and you just kick the shit out of an intergalactic supervillain. Be excited. Shut up. Yeah. Um. What the Flash does in the Snyder Cut? Uh. Him going. Oh yeah. Full spoilers again. Uh, it fucking rules. It's so good. I can't believe that wasn't in the theatrical cut. It's like one of the best superhero moments I've seen on film ever. Yeah. Like maybe like top five. It's like him stopping time. <laughs> Going back to prevent, you know, this explosion that kills everybody. Um, him, mm-hmm. you know, saying, uh, I forget what he says about his father as he's doing it too. It's powerful stuff. And I don't, and then to go back to the theatrical cut and what Whedon does. Oh, uh, again, um, I don't understand. <laughs> I, if, 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 his, if his intention was to make things lighter, uh, I guess it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because you don't really need that levity at that point. I don't know. I I, I could get more into details, but I don't want to just constantly yeah. just we, think about. Think, yeah, we don't yeah. need to just we don't need to just sit here and go. This happened. That was no, cool. no, 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 no. This happened. That was cool. But I'll just say like these. Uh, it seems so seamless to me. Um, the tone of this movie through and through. Like there are jokes, and I, I will admit, like in, in the Snyder cut. Like there are some, I think the jokes in the Snyder cuts from like Flash, like some of them popped up in like the theatrical cut, like maybe one or two. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised by that. Like, oh, like you know, uh, Snyder at least um, you know has some understanding of Flash as a character and like how he, this guy is like a kid and like there's some levity to be had there. But other than that, like I'm okay with like this dark tone. <laughs> I'm okay with like yeah, you know, Cyborg going through what he's going through, which is dealt with very well. I loved that whole aspect aspect of the movie. Oh yeah, um, and of course like the death of Superman and Lois Lane, like everybody's just in a mood, but rightfully so because right now it's you know they're living through a bad time, and I guess I understand that now <laughs> more than ever. But uh, but yeah, I, I appreciated just the tone was was like accurate for this movie within the Snyder cut and the tone in, in yeah. the Whedon cut yeah not good I just want to emphasize that not good yeah I on on online I've been seeing a lot of the detractors of the Snyder cut basically just going guys it's the same movie no I'm like no, no it's not the same movie it might be built on the same skeleton but it is fundamentally a different movie that understands these characters and in a way that honestly feels a lot m- truer to my understanding of them than the Whedon cut does. Like, the the big moments that, like, Flash and Cyborg get in this feel way truer to the, those characters than anything that happens in um, Whedon's cut of it. Like, 
Flash's introduction is so qu- is so pitch perfect for who Barry is that it's hard to like like it that that was the thing for me that I'm like why was this not in the theatrical cut? Why was this not there? Yeah. When he at the at the pet store, which yeah. just that whole sequence is incredible to me. It's so good. Yeah, it, it's so good. And yeah, and uh going back to that cyborg like sequence um i i'm shocked that like again some of the best you know um scenes story arc characters were cut out in favor of whatever the hell the weeding cut was and yeah again it's it's shocking just how much was like left on the cutting room floor uh well that that uh, well i mean <laughs> you say that so with some of the stuff that ray fisher has said oh, well, okay. um, considering that well, you know, it's it's not too terribly <laughs> surprising. Uh, uh, it, 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 we don't have to fully get into the Whedon thing, but Whedon is a terrible person. And Whedon, uh, yeah, it, Whedon's it, a terrible person. Throw him in the trash can. Yeah, move on. We so, have, we we as a society have evolved past the need for Joss Whedon. It does it does make sense in that aspect of why Whedon would cut out you know Ray Fisher's story, the majority of it in uh, his cuts. But it makes no sense to like anybody else in existence. <laughs> like, like the producers, even I think even like I read an interview or something that said like even like Chris Nolan and like one of the other producers came out of the screening of like the Whedon cut and like told Zack Snyder like don't bother watching it like it's 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 not it's not good like somebody should have stopped it I mean I understand the reasons why there are too many people who were just 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 there thinking oh let's let's take this away from Snyder and just you know make it quote unquote better by adding all this stuff and taking all I don't I don't get it it's a frustrating thing to know that this continues to happen um, because I'm always on the side of like let's let's have just a visionary, and I do admit Snyder is a visionary at this point. I think it's mm-hmm. clear. Like just let him go and let him do his thing. But uh, but yeah, um, again, did it happen back then? Glad it's 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 happened now. What else can we say about this, Harrison? What uh, what are things can we can we dive into when it when it comes to the Snyder cut? How how do you feel about the aspect ratio? I I didn't mind it at all. I, I don't know yeah. why people made a big deal about it. Um, it's because people don't understand aspect ratios. No, that's don't. why. I mean, e- e- even I didn't understand it um, when when it, when it first was announced because I I think even Zack Snyder was like trying to figure out exactly the right aspect ratio for it. But for those who don't know, well, I don't know if you can explain this better than I can, Harrison. But um, from my understanding, is um, uh, Snyder was shooting on thirty five millimeter. Uh, I think open mat, as they call it. Um, and uh, from that full frame, which is what we see in that four, three aspect ratio, like that's like the full, like 35 mm-hmm. millimeter, you know, uh, frame, right? Um, like normally, well, as you, you know, as people have seen in like the, the theatrical cut, like you trim that down, you know, for a um, standard uh, I forget the uh, 1.89, right? Like aspect ratio. Like what, what what fits in your widescreen TVs? Yeah. But for creative reasons, because like this is the, the, the way he, you know, he envisions it. He envisions uh, seeing it on like an IMAX screen, which IMAX is like better suited for that, you know, aspect ratio because you can see the whole, the that, that screen aspect ratio fits better. Uh, the four three fits better on that screen, so yeah. Snyder's like, hey, why not just like present that as the whole thing? Why not just do four three? 
And that makes sense because I guess you get a lot more, you know, headroom, sure. But it's, I think, and it's something I agree with because I've seen people talk about this. Like, I think one reason is, yes, it looks, it's to, to, to Snyder, it's like it's what he wants people to see. It's like the, the fullest frame, you know, the IMAX ratio. But also I think, right. I think Snyder just really wants to separate himself as much as he can from the theatrical cut and that look of it. Because, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I think he succeeds. I think it, it that aspect ratio, uh, you know, with the look of it now, because even like the, 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 I think the color code, like the, the, the color timing of it is different too. It is distinctly much more different aesthetically than the theatrical cut, which I think is, is, is helps in, in separating the two. Um, yeah, so I had no problem. To answer your question, Harrison, I mean, uh, do you have any more thoughts on the on the aspect ratio? I mean, like my my dumb media studies from criticism brain, and I couldn't find a way to fit this into my review, and I wanted to very badly, but it would have felt awkward anyways anywhere I put it. Like the notion that like I talk about how this movie, despite it being like a fucking four hours and sprawling as hell, still feels like weirdly focused and like super on point and locked in the whole time. Um, like. The fact that it's in four three, like it's trying, it, it's trying to keep the the viewer's eyes on the center of the screen and like on the whole frame at all times, and by li- limiting the the size of like the box that the action is taking place in, it's easier for you to take in as much as you can without like having to flick your eyes across the screen a whole bunch. No, yeah, yeah, like it. Like, the film itself is more focused, so in a way, the aspect ratio is, as well, more focused. Yeah, and um, what I also like about it is, for, I guess in, in my head, it makes things look, like, more grand. Because, like, you get that yeah. versus, like, you know, widescreen, you know, standard widescreen. There's that left-right, you know, field to, you know, take in. But, like, when you're in 4.3, you tend to have, and there's a lot more headroom in the in the Snyder cut for sure but there's a lot more headroom where it just feels like you know these walking gods have just more space above them and like makes them feel bigger for, you know at least that's how I kind of interpret it too so a scene with yeah. like Aquaman you know s- you know slow motion walking to the edge of a pier and like all this water like you know covering him like that looks I think particularly great in that 4-3 frame right you know, versus like a standard widescreen uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, folks who don't understand what's going on with four three, and saying um, why did Snyder just cut off the left and right? Um, you know, uh, please field. just read a book. Yeah, please just read a book. <laughs> understand aspect ratios. Like, do some homework. Okay. Uh, 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 anyway. Film theory is good, actually. Please just read. <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, it seems like we've talked a lot about it, but I'm sure there's a lot we've missed, right? Let's let's. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a four-hour movie. It's four hours long. <laughs> I I did threaten it's you to buy four doing, hours long. Did I not threaten you in the Discord? Uh, I think with, I th- a commentary, with a commentary, you absolutely yeah. threatened here. Threatened me with a commentary. So let's get going. I'm going to start the movie now. That was all just pre-talk. So let's. let's... My dude, I have to go to work <laughs> in an hour. We're not going to do a commentary here anyway. Uh, maybe hey. So uh, I think it is. I think it is worth mentioning. Um, while we were talking. Variety published an article called Warner Media's and Sarnoff on Zack Snyder's Justice League and DC's future. Breaking news. The first, par- news. 
the first paragraph, Warner Media Studios CEO Anna Sarnoff says that the release of Zack Zack eh, says that the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League will complete the director's superhero trilogy, reinforcing the studio's desire to move past the social media campaign to hand back control of the DC film universe to the filmmaker. Instead, Sarnoff believes the future of DC is more than just movies. So, yeah, I think we're done with Snyder's DC stuff. Yeah. Okay. Which is acceptable. I get it. And I guess that I guess that reemphasizes why Snyder wanted to put so much in the epilogue because he figured this is going to be it for me. Uh, and this is just a tease of what could have been, which I think is yeah, it's fair. Although, again. Jared Leto, the worst part of this thing. Um, And I did also read, uh, I believe the director of um, Promising a Woman is doing a DC movie Mm -hmm. now. And also... Yeah, she's um, doing Zatanna. Yeah. And um, uh, I will not name him because I think he's a piece of shit. Uh, The director of Suicide Squad, I think uh, he's not going to get that uh, cut of uh, (laughs) Suicide Squad. Fuck him. So screw that guy. Uh, But which, which is like, it's, you know, we'll see what happens with the new Flash movie. With Michael Keaton coming back, and these... if it if that movie happens, <laughs> I know they've been they've been saying it's going to happen for the last like what five years now, seemingly ten years. I think, yeah, uh, I think that it has a better shot now of happening because like they on that subject of like Snyder moving on and like Warner Brothers moving on, I think even Snyder himself said, yeah, they want me to move on because they want to just take my world and make it like the multiverse. Like that's one you know, Earth, and, like, they'll do another movie, like, you know, uh, I'm guessing, you know, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is, like, another Earth, like, that's how, I think that's how DC has been, you know, wanting to go towards these last few movies, like, they just want to have their own, you know, uh, where different worlds, different franchises within this huge mega franchise can exist, and it's just their way of saying, yeah, it's just the multiverse, right? That's that's the version of the multiverse honestly more power to him like the mcu is a cool thing that exists but it's exhausting to literally have to feel like you have to keep up on all of this yeah it's it's, just let me bounce in and out yeah just let me bounce in and out yeah please it is as yeah as much as i like as much as i like the mcu it is a struggle to keep up with it because at this point they're releasing like hours worth of content now that you have to watch to in order to understand the whole thing yeah, in the way that streaming services just reinvented cable again without the middleman of a cable provider, uh, the MCU just did comics again, except you, <laughs> it's it's movies. Like, my guy, stop. <laughs> just make movies on their own. Please, I beg you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, hey, you know, I, uh, I want to live in a wor- world where um, these franchises say, you know, you don't have to see you know, this particular movie to understand this other movie. Like, I don't think I have to see, uh, or, you know, I can't think of a, what's, what's coming up for them anyway. <laughs> what's, what's a DC movie that's coming up? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Harrison, what's, what's, what are they? Isn't there another Aquaman in the office? Oh, of course. Like, isn't that happening? No, yeah. The, the Suicide Squad, of course. Uh, guns. Oh, right. That's James right. Gunn's Suicide Squad. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I Man, you want to talk? Okay, I will say you want to talk about a dude who also deserved to get his movie back. Which who got his movie back? James Gunn. That dude, yeah, good on him. <laughs> Glad he's getting to do Guardians. Yeah, finally. Guardians three. Yeah, 
good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't have to have seen, um, you know, uh, maybe somebody just decides to skip the Snyder Cut, the four-hour Snyder Cut. I'm sure they can still, you know, I'm sure they can enjoy uh, the Suicide Squad, you know, James Gunn's movie. So, yeah. 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 Um, like, anyway. I... I saw Aquaman before I saw Justice League, and guess what? Didn't miss anything. Yeah. I, the, the only thing I needed to see from the original cut of Justice League I had seen already, and it was Jason Momoa going, my man. <laughs> uh, I just remembered another DC movie, uh, The Batman, with Barbara Pattinson. I oh, forgot God, that was yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so excited. Pattinson's yeah. going to be great. Pattinson's so- going to make so many people upset. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> Um, I guess a better analogy would have been, you know, you, you, you're not going to have to see the Suicide Squad to, I, th- I, I guess, you know, fully appreciate the Batman because I'm sure they're going to be in their own separate universes and maybe there's some ties oh, yeah. between. But yeah, um, I like that. You know, uh, let me yeah. s- let me skip, you know, a Black Widow so I can enjoy um, um, Immortals. What is it that's coming up? Uh, Immortals is that the ones coming out in November? Anyway, I think they did that, didn't they? Do I think I think Eternals is the Eternals. One yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, Chloe Zhao's Eternals. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. You know, director of Nomadland's <laughs> Eternals, <laughs> future uh, Oscar winner uh, directing. Yeah, uh, that movie, uh, which I'm excited Man, about. Yeah, I still need to watch that movie. Nomadland. It's on Hulu, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You, right. I'm sure you'll like it. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, you have taste, so. Uh, <laughs> speaking of taste, uh, go watch Justice League if you haven't already, or or you know what? Um, listen to me and Harrison do a commentary for Justice oh God, is Gray. Don't, no, don't put me no the don't, new no, no, cut no, of Zack Snyder's Justice not. League, which absolutely Zack not. Snyder has threatened he's adding more scenes in the movie with Jared Leto, from what I understand. Oh so stay tuned for that. Commentary. I would I would rather watch Joaquin Phoenix do the Joker shit again than watch another thirty seconds of Jared Leto's Joker. Imagine that. Imagine if it wasn't Leto, but if, if it was hair. Uh, God, if it was Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix Joker, Joker in this movie, oh my God, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have actually been pretty great. Yeah, no, that. No, I agree. That would have been pretty cool. But uh, no, Batman, you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> <sighs> but that's Zack Snyder's Justice League. This episode of the podcast uh, will be half as long as Justice League. It turns out it's 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 like coming up in a, within a two hour territory. So let's end it now. This Her- is uh, yeah. This is definitely the first uh, podcast episode in like six months that I've been on. That's shorter than the yeah, the movie. Yeah, and even it, it's longer than an average talk from society podcast episode. But it's still less than half the length of uh, Justice League. Um, yeah yeah but uh on that note harrison thanks for coming on uh thank you plugs where can the people listening find you online yeah you can find me on twitter at play underscore champion uh i co-host a disney podcast on the talk film society network called dream a little deeper with my uh with my friend alex isaac uh you can follow our podcast account at dream deeper pod on twitter um and yeah dm us if you want to talk about disney because we'll we'll take anyone honestly uh what what if i've uh, what if the only two movies i have any attachment towards are little mermaid and aladdin i could probably fit you in that <laughs> There's a, I, I like the nice pause that you you just dm the dm the podcast twitter account we'll see what we can I'm do talking to you right now harrison you're you're, you're the co-host yeah, but I'm not the one in charge of scheduling. Okay, DM the podcast. 
DM the podcast account. Giving you a hard time. Um, all right, <laughs> maybe I will. Uh, thank or you, you could just add us in add us in Discord. <laughs> <laughs> like that's possible too. <laughs> Forgot we have that. Um, thank you, Harrison. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, I'll be back some other time. Uh, glad you listened to this entire episode. If you did, if not, I don't know why you listen to me now. Uh, and with that, I'll say, as I always say at the end of these episodes, hey, go home steep in those guts. No, that's not. No, that's not the show. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the wrong show. I right. say, hey, I see you at the movies. No one ever say that. All right, bye. <laughs>